Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. And today we've got our Fallon and Wispa and Brandy and Wyatt and Lexi and Kira and whole bunch of other helpers in the studio, and it's just a wonderful afternoon. It was all rainy, and you know, just coincidentally, I happened to be walking in Jersey City, New Jersey, a couple of days ago, working with a number of clients, and I saw that somebody had had their dog in the car. Now, it wasn't brutally hot, but you could see that it was just way too hot for a dog. And I always beat you guys up with this, but just remember, your dog doesn't need to be going in the car with you if you've got a final destination or if at least, you know, leave your car running. They have these great fans. Sure love to have a sponsor of one of those because they do make these great fans that work off of your battery and they keep the air circulating inside the car so you can take your dog. A lot of us use them at dog shows to keep the dogs with a window slightly open, and then at least it does keep it pretty cool. But leave your dogs, you know, where they're nice and cool and relaxed, and, you know, you don't have to drag them around with you. It's pretty hot out. So today we're going to be talking about some of the rescue dogs that we've got at our farm, and, we, you know, we want to always tell everybody and educate everyone about the things with dogs and the fact that, you know, dogs can't stand up for themselves, so we have to do it for them. So let's talk about some of our rescue dogs who are in our cancer detection programs and our service dog programs and many other things that we are doing at United Canine Professionals and Merlin's Kids. One of the most exciting ones is our dog, Rainy. Our little Rainy, she's just the most beautiful dog. She was actually found wandering around in the area of Niagara Falls, New York, and was picked up by a rescue group who uh, couldn't rehabilitate the dog aggression she had. Well, she hasn't been dog aggressive with us. She's actually been a great girl. She's been absolutely a joy to be around, very, very sweet, and she's doing great with her cancer and disease detection dog training. We're very proud of her because if you think about where this poor girl started, And where she is now, she's come so far, so quickly, and she's just the best dog in the world. So our Rainy is going through specialized training so that she'll be able to detect cancers and other diseases in not only humans but in animals as well, kind of like what Wyatt and Wispa and Fallon and all of the others do. Um, She's going to be doing it using samples. Now, The reason that's particularly exciting to me is uh, that I want to have everybody in the world be, uh, you know, aware that dogs have these amazing powers. And because dogs do have so many different powers to do things, you know, they are able to find things that, that, uh, you know, humans and doctors and hospitals and conventional tests can't even do. So, obviously, we need to make sure that when we're working with a dog, 
that we know what that dog potentially could be good at. Then you have some of our other dogs. We have a little girl, AK, uh, who actually found us at our Missouri farm. And uh, we've spoken in the past about our farm, our rehabilitation and training center. It is amazing. About 6,000 square feet plus a beautiful, beautiful kennel that's nicer than many people's homes are. And that's brand new and beautiful. Well, first weekend we happened to uh, purchase the place. We were out in the back on my good friend Laren, uh, who is a uh, Kansas City girl. And we were out there, and uh, Laren happened to look over and said, Janice, there's something over there. And, I, and it's black with a little bit of white. I said, oh, my God, maybe it's a skunk. Don't go near it. We're going to get skunked. She says, no, it doesn't look like a skunk. Well, what's a, there's nothing. What? There's no animal. What's going to be there? Well, she said, well, it looks like a dog. Well, it was a dog. We had to actually find the keys, open up our fence and gate, take this dog in, and she had obviously been either hit by a car or in a pretty bad tussle. She had a good chunk of her lip ripped off. She was limping. She was very thin. Uh, she was starving and uh, very thirsty. And, you know, she was just a good dog, really just a good dog. Well, we soon found out that she was an escape artist and had escaped from her last two homes a total of 22 times, 15 from the first gentleman and seven from the second lady. Well, she doesn't try to run away from us. I don't know. She just was supposed to find us. She is a great dog, and it's going to be an absolutely fantastic service dog someday. So she's doing great. She's doing wonderfully with her training and uh, just a love bug. So we're going to start needing foster homes for some of our dogs, including AK. So that's our second one that we're talking about. And, of course, we've got some puppies. We've got some Ridgeback puppies we need fosters for. If anybody's interested in fostering a young dog or an older dog that already has training in it, or if you're interested in helping Merlin's Kids and United Canine Professionals, if you're interested in becoming a canine behaviorist, or in learning how to do cancer and disease detection, or use service dogs that are specifically trained by us to be used in an an institutional setting, what we have a trademark on, institutional service dogs. And they're different than a a therapy dog. Therapy dogs are great, and I'm going to talk about the differences in the next segment. But therapy dogs are great, but these are actually dogs who are trained and worked with to uh, to utilize using more than one person. See, most service dogs, as we'll discuss, are used for one person. Our service dogs can also be trained, take obviously a lot more training and a lot more knowledge, but they can be trained to work with multiple people. So that's a really exciting thing. Now, I did want to mention one of our other favorite, favorite, favorite rescues. We've got our baby who is um, now in training in Georgia, our little Pepsi. Um, and he is—he came from Georgia. He is up now with a very good friend of mine in North Carolina. He is ready to come up. He is the most beautiful black and white beagle, probably field beagle or a mix of a beagle and a taller hound. What a sweetie pie. Just a love bug. He just 
turns into a cuddle mush when he's in your arms. And we need a foster for him as well. Now, it's not so easy to become one of our fosters, but you can definitely fill out an application to be a foster or a volunteer on www.merlinskids.org. And, of course, if you pass the stringent test and your home visit, you'll receive extensive training, and we train you because we don't want you to ruin our dog that we've put all that time and love and energy and money into. We want you to know exactly what to do. Now, if you want to go a step further and you want to actually be able to train the service dogs, not only foster, then you should think about joining our team at United Canine Professionals and Merlin's Kids because we do offer certifications not only in natural canine behavior rehabilitation through Merlin's, uh, through uh, United Canine Professionals, but also in therapeutic facilitation, behavioral intervention, cancer and disease detection dogs, and all other types of training through Merlin's Kids. So you definitely want to check us out, and we're going to talk about some differences between service dogs and therapy dogs and all other kinds in just a moment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything. But when food becomes a health troublemaker, or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds, or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. Purr Spray Pet, all-natural, non-toxic spray for all of your pet problems. Proven safe to use for their skin, eyes, and ears. Helps calm and heal wounds, hot spots, insect bites, and lots more. Will not sting and very safe to use even for your feathered friends. To find out how you can keep your pets happy and healthy, go to purspraypet.com. That's P-U-R spraypet.com, purspraypet.com. Or call us now at 386-310-3924. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf and the brood here in New Jersey today. Well, I really want to go back into some of the wonderful, wonderful dogs that are out there. And there are so many incredible dogs, about 4 million dogs that are being euthanized every single year. It is a tragedy, and it is just something we, as the dog-loving community, have got to work to prevent from happening. How can we prevent that? One of the things we can do is spay and neuter your dogs. If they're not grand champion show dogs, or if they don't have a great temperament and they're grand champion or champion show dogs, purebred show dogs, obviously, then you, you need to spay and neuter. Don't decide you're going to, you know, oh, I'm going to go have, you know, my kids should see the joy of birth. 
take them to see a gas chamber and they can experience the joy of, of little puppies and, and all kinds of animals vomiting and being sick and throwing all their guts up and urinating and defecating all over each other. Yeah, show them that because that's what happens when you don't spay and neuter. Now, they're definitely not all dogs have that happen, but there are certain types of dogs that seem to be euthanized very, very prominently. You get a lot of these little designer dogs, and I've written a number of books on this, and I've beaten everybody to death with my Happens book series, S-H-H-H Happens, Dog Behavior 101 by Janice Wolf and why it helped me too. But the problem is that people don't think, period, okay? People don't think. So if you don't spay and neuter and you let your bitch out, yes, bitch is an actual word that you use in shows, so it's okay to use as long as you don't call a human one, apparently, even if it's true. But think about it for a minute because when you're talking about having a dog, a female in heat, if you spayed your female... And now you don't have to worry about her getting mammary tumors. You don't have to worry about her getting uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, uh, or, or cervical cancer, or any of those other cancers. And then you don't have to worry about adding to the dogs that are euthanized. Now people say, oh, I'm going to make sure they get good homes. You've got to be so careful because most dogs, when you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to a $50 rehoming fee or whatever, most of these dogs, if not, if not many of, of the dogs and owners, um, really aren't educated about the dogs and how to breed. So let's say the female isn't up to date on her shots, okay? So now not only is she in danger, but the puppies that she's going to have are also potentially in danger because before I, as a show breeder of grand champion, champion, amazing Westminster winners and best in show winners around the world. As I know very well, when I decide I'm going to breed one of my females, I have to find the perfect male. And the perfect male dog does not mean, oh, look how pretty he is, or he's number one, or he's number three. I look at what his worst attributes are. If he doesn't have a great temperament, not going to touch it. If he's not a very clear sound mover, not going to touch it. If his father died at six, totally not going to touch it. If he's the dog du jour that the rest of the world is breeding to, guess what? I'm not going to touch it. I want to see puppies that he's already produced. I want to see quality. And I want to see the worst puppy he's produced, not the best one. There are certainly some wonderful, wonderful breeders out there who do things the right way. There are also people who you think are doing it the right way. And these people will go out and breed and breed and breed. And they might breed 10 or 12 litters in a year, but they'll have one really good dog. But I don't want to see your one really good dog. I want to see your 90% of not really good dogs. I want to see what kind of temperaments did that dog or, or bitch throw. I want to know the size, the health. How many were ridgeless? I've never had a ridgeless ridgeback. I've seen a lot. I've never had a ridgeless ridgeback, short ridge, or anything else. And, you know, Rhodesian ridgebacks, very interesting, were bred um, originally, in, and the ridge was seen as 
um, an indication of the highest degree of perfection in temperament and in intelligence and in ability to do a job yet protect the family and thinking dogs. So if you have a dog, and we're talking Ridgeback, but if you have a dog in general who doesn't fit the standard, maybe he's too straight in his hindquarters or maybe he's too angulated, he's maybe more in, uh, more likely to be a victim of something like degenerative myelopathy. Maybe genetically, if the dog has a predisposition towards like a DM, which is degenerative myelopathy, that's when you see these little poor dogs on a little cart. Some of them um, of, of larger breeds, they get this horrible thing called degenerative myelopathy, and there is a genetic test for that, so you can test, blood test. Now, let's say the dog does have that, okay, but it's really angulated or it's really straight. That might aid in its or negatively in impacting its ability or its likelihood of getting a degenerative myelopathy and having it active or, or actually being affected by it. But when you're talking about a mixed breed dog, how many people run genetic tests, hips, elbows, and thyroid on both parents, on the grandparents? blood work, making sure you check, making sure that the female was immunized properly so the puppies develop and, and acquire the immunities from mama's shots and mama's inoculations, um, and then making sure that mama was on folic acid, um, you know, several thousand units a day at least so that mama doesn't develop when she's got her puppies cooking in the oven there, that mama has enough folic acid to be able to prevent birth defects or any imperfections in the puppies, well, you've got to make sure you've got that. You've got to make sure you've got the right calories. You have the dog on a super supplement like a NuVet vitamin, which is amazing. That's the ones we use. They are amazing for mothers who are in need of potentially additional, um, you know, nutrients and minerals and vitamins. Those NuVet vitamins are incredible, and I do put my females on like four a day when they are either pregnant or when they're lactating, meaning they're producing milk for the puppies. So those are really important. Um, if you have a dog who has any physical or nutritional issues or has any kind of, uh, you know, where he's guarding food or he's looking for food or he's always hungry or he's countersurfing um, or he's licking stuff off the floor constantly because he's seems to be starving, get them on those new vet vitamins. I put all my females, all my males, all my dogs are on them. And you can actually tell them you heard about it on our show, um, and you can use the code 40560, which will get you a 15% discount for auto ship so you don't run out of them. But, you know, when you're having, um, you know, a litter, before that female gets pregnant, you should have already made sure there are no genetic issues made sure the confirmation was good and that the health was good, had them on a great diet for weeks before, had them on folic acid for two, at least two weeks prior, and ha- make sure their nutrition has been consistent so they can give birth and also produce milk. And another thing that a lot of people don't realize is not every female wants to be a mommy, and sometimes they do reject the babies. And good luck for six weeks. You're going to be sleeping in a box, hand-feeding, bottle-feeding puppies, so it's not all it's cracked up to be. Well, 
stay tuned. We're going to talk about more. Be right back. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. When it comes to health expenses, dog owners have it rough. Now, thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm, your dog can be goo healthy. There's Doggy Goo to fight environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be Healthy Goo, healthy. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. And a special shout out to my good friend Pam up in Cortland, New York, who is just an amazing lady and herself rescued a beautiful little puppy. And she is just doing great. Nice little Beagle Basset. And what a doll she is. You know, Although I am a breeder of champion, grand champion show dogs, you know, a remarkable number of our dogs uh, do wind up being fantastic service dogs as well as being pets for some people. But we do have probably 80 to 90 percent of our dogs are from shelters and rescues, just like Pam's dog and just like our Rainy and just like our AK and our Shamrock and so many of our other dogs. And what's wonderful is my personal favorite is when people call and they say, oh, I wanted to get a puppy because I didn't want somebody else to ruin it. And I'm thinking, uh, and who made you the dog behaviorist here? So you think you're going to be able to raise a puppy better than the other 4 million people who raised puppies and they wound up in a shelter? Or maybe 10 million puppies who wound up as adults being dumped in rescues and shelters because their owners didn't know how to work with the dog either. You see, that's what the problem is. It's not that hard to raise a dog properly, but it's also not that easy. And people have to be able to understand what you need not to do in order to make that dog great. It's not always about what you do in life. It's about what you don't do. You know, you can do a lot of great things, but if you don't do one thing, you can die. If you don't do one thing, you can run through a stop sign. If you don't pay attention, you can get into a car accident and lose your life. If you don't do what you're supposed to do at work, you can get fired. So it's not always what you do, it's what you don't do sometimes. And that's what's so important to understand when you're working with, especially a rescue dog, a lot of times it's what you don't do that's going to make or break that dog. Well, what do you not want to do? Well, let's say we're going to be training a dog to be a therapy dog. In this segment, we're going to work on therapy dogs. So let's say we've got a therapy dog candidate. What do we not want to do with that dog? Well, first of all, we don't want to teach him to get protective. We don't want to go, okay, watch him, watch him, go get him, and try to teach him to react or become reactive to other humans or dogs. Now, why am I saying this? You're saying, no, who would do that? Oh, a lot of you are going, oops, I do that. Because we're thinking, we want him to protect us. You don't want a dog to be your protector. 
you need to be the provider and protector. So if you're teaching a dog that you're in charge, right, you're not letting him think he's in charge, you're going to, chances are, have a good dog. But if you don't do that and if you say, well, I'll let him think that he's in charge, what's going to happen is he's going to take over the providing and the protecting and you're going to have a problem potentially. So we're trying to train a therapy dog. So let's say we've got a little dog like AK who is wonderful. And let's say you've got Miss Miss AK. Well, what did we not do with her? Well, we... First of all, we had to heal her up. We had to make sure that she didn't become uh, alarmed at being touched because she was definitely in pain. She was definitely scared. So because I didn't know the dog before, I didn't want to start hovering over her. I didn't want to start touching everything because we don't want to set her up for failure. We want to set her up for success. So what is the quality that we look for in a dog who might be a therapy dog? Does it have to be a dog who is super low energy? Well, no, but it's, it's a good thing if the dog isn't jumping all over people. Does it have to be a certain breed or size or age? No. But the things that we want to make sure it doesn't do are many. We have to make sure that the dog doesn't become protective of the owner. We want to make sure that the dog is exposed to all different kinds of people, the main things we're looking for for a dog who's going to be a therapy dog are, again, things that are going to help it to deal with whatever it might face. So if you have a young puppy, though, don't try to bring it and do too much. I always tell my students in our classes for our therapy dog and our service dog and cancer and disease detection dog, et cetera, et cetera, I'm always telling people, don't get greedy. Don't overdo it. I used to have people do that all the time when they would be riding their horse. They'd have a wonderful ride, and they would just have to push it, have to do something extra. And when they did something extra, they wound up having the horse spooked or whatever. So don't overdo it, especially with a young dog. Set your goal. Set a plan of a certain number of things you'd like to accomplish. And if you don't accomplish the exact thing that you wanted, Don't fret about it. It's okay. All you want to do is make sure that you're not pushing the animal too fast, too far. One of the things that burns dogs out really quickly is elevators and traffic and loud noises. So if the dog is afraid and you get him through a really scary thing, then go back to doing a really fun thing so that the dog will remember the fun thing, not the scary, dangerous thing. I guess it just makes sense to if you're a dog or if you think like a dog. So other things that you definitely want to bring your dog around and, you know, expose him to as much as possible is other animals. I can't even tell you how high of a percentage of dogs who are certified uh, either through TDI or CGC or Delta or all these other agencies um, that are out there who, you know, the dogs are great with people, phenomenal with people, you know, go work with kids. But boy, oh boy, if there's another dog or another animal in that room, you got a whole other ball of wax on your hands now because they're not trying to educate the dog to teach the dog, hey, knucklehead, I love you, but you know what? When you have your vest on, buddy, you don't have the time to socialize. You're certainly not going to be aggressive with another animal. 
All you got to do is focus on these kids or focus on these people who are in the room or in the building with you. Don't worry about them. It's not important where they are. It's important where you are. And I've seen that so many times because that's a very common thing that people do. What they will do is they will make sure that their dogs are gentle with kids and gentle in wheelchairs and gentle on the side of the bed and gentle all over. But when there's another animal or sometimes another person, sometimes of another race, uh, sometimes a person in a wheelchair, power chairs, scooters, different things, and you forget that dogs are dogs. They're not thinking like, oh, that's a person in a wheelchair. It's actually like when Pizarro uh, was conquering um, you know, large territories, and what he would do, or what the, the natives thought there, the Indians thought that this was a new creature. Oh, my goodness. It is not a man. It is not a horse. It, it's this man horse because they'd never seen horses before. So suddenly they thought all these conquering aliens were centaurs that were half human and half horse, and it scared the living bejesus out of them. Well, same thing with your dog. Your dog doesn't understand that that's a person in a wheelchair. He just knows that this is a very different thing and it's a different energy. So we want to make sure we set our dogs up for success, not for failure. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment for our next segment. You don't want to miss it. For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. It's also more dangerous. Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's BikeToeLeash.com. Bike Toe Leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B-I-K-E-T-O-W-L-E-A-S-H dot com. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. And another special shout-out to the future Dr. Jody Joseph, now third year at Cornell. Just a wonderful, wonderful young lady. And our wonderful people, Casey and Lara and Anita and totally Barbara, both Barbaras, because you guys and, and hundreds of others of amazing people who are in United Canine Professionals and in Merlin's Kids, we could not do what we do without you ladies and gentlemen helping us And you know what's the most wonderful thing is when we see a dog who we've trained either to be a therapy dog or like most of our dogs are highly trained service dogs. And you know, I've been doing this for so many years. I've I've kind of uh, figured out that it's uh, probably around 1,300 dogs that we have done for people, um, whether it was private training services for people with service dogs or therapy dogs or if they were actually our dogs that we trained. And when you think about the number of dogs that we have produced and the quality of them, it's really humbling, especially when you have some people in the past who had received dogs and they come to you and they send you pictures 
of their child who used to be nonverbal and is now mainstreamed, or when they send you a picture of their child who was in a wheelchair who can walk assisted holding the dog and, you know, used to fall and now the dog lifts the child up so the child is independent. Um, you know, it's just an amazing, amazing thing to see that and to be a part of it. And if you want to be a part of it or you know someone who might like to join our amazing team, definitely let them know. Uh, you can reach us at United, the letter K, the number 9, professionals.com, 855-4K9-PROS. That's 855-459-7767. Or at Merlin's Kids, which is www.merlinskids.org. And our 800 number for that is 855-HI-WYATT. 855-HI-WYATT. You know, it's just amazing the quality, like I said, of people. And I think that's why we've got such a great, uh, wonderful, wonderful success rate with our dogs because we really do have the best people out there. And, you know, if you're around animals long enough, you realize that animals are so much better than people. Well, I've got several hundred people who I would tell you are as wonderful as the most wonderful dog or horse out there. And that's quite a compliment because they're really, if you think about it and you watch the news, you see all the terrible things going on. Well, it's lovely and wonderful to see wonderful, great, good people, hearts in the right place, and just dedicated to helping others. And that's just what is so amazing about our incredible team. And, you know, if you want to join it, it's tough. We're very competitive, but... Uh, if you are lucky enough to be one of the applicants who's accepted uh, for our education opportunities and job opportunities, man, it is just the best. So I'm going to start talking a little bit more now about the difference between therapy dogs and service dogs. And our last segment is going to revolve around someone who sent in a question about service dog training. So it'll be perfect. Well, okay, what's the difference between a therapy dog and a service dog? Well, both have to be well-behaved, but one of them has to be able to be in a hospital, school, or sometimes a louder, sometimes a quieter setting, and is really not trained to do um, a specific task for a person, but rather is just trained or well-behaved, just a great well-behaved dog, who likes to be petted, who likes to snuggle. Um, Typically, we do not like our therapy dogs or service dogs to lick because if they lick people, sometimes people don't want to be licked by a dog. I love dogs. You couldn't get somebody who loves dogs more than than I do, but I hate when dogs lick my face or lick my hands. It's just like, eh, I I don't want them to lick unless I invite them. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't want them to, but I don't want to be slathered with licking and slobbering, especially when it's hot out. I don't want somebody to, you know, sit on top of me and breathe into my face. So if that's something that might bother somebody, especially someone who might have perhaps a sensory issue, somebody who might be on oxygen, or perhaps a child who uh, doesn't understand the concept of personal space, we want to teach the dog, especially a therapy dog, it's going to work with a bunch of, you know, different usually kids or 
or people in a hospital or nursing home setting. We want to teach the dog not to get in people's face unless it's invited. That's one of the things we do in our training uh, through United Canine Professionals and Merlin's Kids. We make sure that the dogs understand we love them, we want them near us, but we don't want them in our faces because if we start teaching them that's okay, it's, you know, potentially they're going to think that it's okay for them to lick everybody. And sometimes when you have a sensory issue or you just don't like to be licked but you want to pet the, the dog, you know, your dog can, you know, be kind of a pest. So how do you do that? Well, you want to teach the dog a personal space bubble. And we've spoken about this on For the Love of Dog on our Friday show. And we've spoken about it as well on this great show. But mostly I think people need to set certain boundaries with a dog. And when you get a puppy or you get a dog, especially if it's a rescue or shelter dog, and you might not know the history on it, don't know anything about it genetically, you don't know about temperament, set the dog up for success, not for failure. And by setting the dog up for success, it will be much easier for the dog to succeed. If you set a dog up for failure, guess what? He's going to fail. Hey, they bulletin just in. I messed up everything and taught my kid the wrong things, and my kid just failed in school and got kicked out by the, by the nerdy kid or the bully kid or whoever it is because my kid didn't know how to react when somebody said something. You've got to set your kids up for success. You've got to set your dogs up for success. Set yourself up for success. So when you get a dog and you decide you're going to have a therapy dog, don't pick a dog who is so fearful or very dominant because it's not going to work. You need that mild-mannered Clark Kent kind of person or dog who's going to feel confident and comfortable and easygoing. You don't want a real high, high-energy dog who's going to have to be constantly getting corrected by the owner uh, or the trainer or the behaviorist, because he is what he is. That was always my contention when people would try to take a a really fun-loving dog like a golden who's just a knucklehead. They're just the knucklehead best dogs in the world, most of them. Um, And, you know, you take this great dog who just wants to be happy and lick and pant and just be there and be in your face and, hey, I love you. And then you try to train him to do something where you don't want him to do exactly what God made him to do. Or you don't take a border collie who's a high prey drive or one of the herding breeds and try to get him to sit and lie down for eight hours straight because he needs to have a job. He needs to do something. It doesn't mean you can't have a wonderful border collie who, you know, is going to be a great therapy dog or even potentially a service dog. It just means look for the purpose of the dog and then try to, you know, get that dog appropriately so that the dog is happy and you're happy and you can understand and the dog can understand, more importantly, what you expect of him. Then you set your dog and yourself up for success, not for failure. Uh, We will be right back because we're going to go through our question and more about service dogs and the types of service dogs out there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. New Vet Plus, your pet's best friend. 
NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 1-800-474-7044. That's 1-800-474-7044. And tell them you are referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.nuvet.com. Order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, today we've been discussing service dogs and therapy dogs and a little about the difference between them. So I wanted to go into a question that we received actually from someone who is now enrolled. This question was a couple of months ago, but it's still very apropos. Well, this was a person who has a child who has a special need, a disability, and wanted to have us train uh, a service dog for the child. So she went out um, and had purchased a dog. Um, It doesn't matter if it's a rescue or if it's purchased, but she happened to purchase a beautiful, beautiful lab, Uh, very sweet. She asked me before she started, she said, hey, I know you're the expert. I don't want to do the wrong thing because, unfortunately, we see that too often. People are uh, adopting or purchasing a dog that is completely inappropriate, and then they contact us at Merlin's Kids and United Canine Professionals, and they say, well, why isn't my dog, uh, when my dog was evaluated, why wasn't my dog approved and accepted? Well, because the dog isn't the right dog for your child, and he's already bonded with the child. So I'm sorry, but we, we're not going to train a dog that's the wrong dog that isn't going to be able to be something that Merlin's kids is proud of producing. So if we think that you didn't make a good decision, because you choose, you know, I'm not even going to say a breed, but you choose a breed that's banned in your state or you choose a dog who's just too dominant. Well, I'm not going to, you know, tell you, oh, it's okay, we'll fix it. Because, yes, I can fix anything as long as it's not physical or, or a serious chemical issue, which is rare. But, you know, if you have a dog and if you're going to get a dog, get the right one. Now, very often... And, you know, I'm sure everybody listens to, uh, to my show, and, and a lot of people I know are kind of the copycat mentality. Hey, let's take rescue dogs and turn them into, into service dogs, and we can charge and make a lot of money. No, please don't do that, because you're not me. You don't know what you don't know. You don't have friends like Dr. Temple Grandin, who you can ask questions. You haven't done this. You haven't fixed 25 or 26,000 dogs. You haven't rehabilitated shelter and rescue dogs that nobody else could fix. So you don't know what you don't know, and that's the problem with anything. Everything always looks easy. 
All you got to do is watch ice skating or watch Dancing with the Stars or any of these shows and say, ah, that doesn't look too hard. It is hard. Those people who are doing that are trained, and you know what? They have a natural ability, whether it might be as great as someone else, maybe not, or maybe. But the key is you want to set your dog up and your child up and yourself up for success, not for failure. So this particular lady uh, had written, and this is quite a while ago, and said, you know, I, I purchased a dog, and I listened to what you said. You know, I have a son, and so I chose a female dog, which is a great choice. I chose a breed that you said would be one of the ones that would typically be good. I chose the color within that breed that you said would typically be good, and, and I'm talking right there about the difference between, let's say, like a yellow lab and a chocolate lab. And these are general uh, trends and traits. This doesn't mean every single yellow lab is good. There was a yellow lab that was one of the meanest dogs I've ever seen, but that's unusual. Um, so anyway, you take like a yellow lab female versus a chocolate lab male. Sometimes those chocolates are pretty tough, um, like the Chessies can be very tough. They're not an easy breed that lends itself to being, a, you know, great with everybody in every situation. So now you, she bought this dog. It sounds like she's doing great. She bought my old book. She has my new book. She knows all the rules. She understands what she should be doing. And now she's being evaluated. The dog's being evaluated for the child, even though they've had it. And I'll pretty much guarantee you this is going to be a great, great match because she investigated and she did work. She contacted the expert in the field. You always want to contact whatever you're doing. Contact the expert. If there's a book that somebody's written, and I can't even tell you how many times I've had this happen to me, people will call me or email me, and they're always shocked. Oh, my God, you answered the phone. Of course I answered the phone. I want to help people. So this lady, lovely, lovely lady, had met with Wyatt. Her son bonded beautifully. Um, but I told her, I said, I think he'd be better still, even though Wyatt is so good. He's got a lot of qualities, like a female would have, very soft, very loving, not in your face, very gentle. And so this is going to work out great. But she had asked a question, and I want to answer it. How do you know, let me preface this, I have a son who is autistic on the spectrum. We're looking, we're looking for a service dog for him, and we're looking for a dog that would be appropriate for him. How do we know what the right dog is? What are the age, sex, breed, et cetera, requirements? Thank you so much. Okay. If you have a special needs child or if you have, you know, children in general, it doesn't mean that one breed is better than another. It doesn't mean that one sex of that breed or color of that breed is better or not, but there are definitely trends. And if you look at trends, you want to generally, if you have a especially special needs child, find the dog opposite sex to the child. Almost all the time, a female will become more bonded to the male, and the, a male dog will become more bonded to a female. I'll bet you probably 95% of the time, and it might even be higher than that, we have placed a female service dog in with a male and a male service dog in with a female child. Now, why do we do that? Well, one of the main issues is you want to make sure that a dog, a male, 
isn't going to start a challenge thing, a testosterone battle. Yes, even if you neuter them, pituitary gland still will produce a good amount of sex hormones as well as other hormones. Um, so you want to try to have that being a softer relationship where there'll be more of a bond. That doesn't mean that I don't have a super strong bond with my Wispity Bunny Dog or my Brandy or my Kira or my Phalanonius or any of my female dogs, but there's definitely a different relationship with Wyatt. Wyatt is with me, is my protector, and he's very soft and gentle, but he is my protector. And there's never any challenge because he feels like a camaraderie. It's almost like a marriage or a great friendship. So if you have a male child, the, ex- the, the exception would be if you want a dog that's going to do what we call willful disobedience, meaning that we're going to have, let's say, like with a guide dog for a young child, we might want, if the child is a boy, we might want a male dog that will be a little bit more uh, likely to not allow the child to go into the street. Now, of course, this is also a training issue and a behavior issue, but the natural tendency of, let's say, that little boy wants to walk into the street, the natural tendency of the male practicing willful disobedience will be, hey, buddy, I got to take care of you so you're not allowed to go on the street versus a female who might say, oh, my goodness, honey, no, please don't go on the street. I'll be worried about you. Something could happen. It's a little bit of a difference, and when you really get into it, it's very obvious, and it's, it's a very, very blunt and stark difference. But, again, it is a difference, and, you know, that's one of the things you might want to consider with a service dog. Also, the age of the dog. You don't want to get a super young puppy because if you get a very young puppy, it may develop behavioral issues. You want a puppy, uh, if you are purchasing one or if you're adopting one, you want to try to stick with something that has a history to it. Do you know the breeder? The breeder is good. The rescue, if it's a rescue puppy. But just remember, genetics is a funny thing. Genetics can come and, and bite you in the rear end when you're least looking. So try to stick with, if you have a weaker or unstable energy, of a special needs child or person, you want to have the dog being the stable one. So we'll talk more about this in future weeks. I'm so thankful that you were able to share time with me. Pam, I hope you're back from walking your little Mona girl, and we will hopefully be able to uh, stay in touch with all of you. If anybody is interested in any of our programs, you can get them on archives. And if you're interested in either United Canine Professionals or in Merlin's Kids uh, or in fostering a dog or making donations, we are very available at www.unitedk9professionals.com and www.merlinskids.org. Well, signing off for today. Have a wonderful, healthy, happy week, and we'll see you next week. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. 